2: Welcome to Kogel Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing. I'm film critic Gary Kogel, and today we continue the process of talking through what we think are some of the best films of 2017. Now, last week we examined films 1 through 5. This time we finish our best list with films 6 through 10.
3: I'm wine expert Haley Hamilton Kogel. Today to pair with these final best of films of 2017... We'll discuss a few best of wines of 2017, including some surprises we had along the way, like discovering new wineries, like our time at Lambert Bridge, a fantastic sparkling tasting we had with Jay Winery, and a very fun event in one of our favorite places in the world, Woodinville, Washington. How
2: much do we love Woodinville, We love Washington.
3: Woodinville. I can't wait to talk about That's our That's a walk-around
2: place. All right, let's get to film number six on our best ten list as we work down to the end of it. Uh, this, this film started off, off the top 10 list for me and just kept moving up and moving up yeah. and moving up. Watched it again. Yeah. Think this three billboards outside every Missouri movie is actually, it could be in anybody's top five It list.
3: could be a top five. Yeah. Sure,
2: I I sure. think it's going to get nominated so for Best sad. Picture. And I think there's acting, nomi- uh, at least a couple acting nominations, two or three in Sam this Sam
3: Rockwell is great. Sam Rockwell
2: is awesome. And he's awesome in everything he's in. Yeah. But especially in this one, so it's Oscar-winning actress actually, Frances McDormand, who won for Fargo, and I, th- I think just lays it all on the line. It's a very tough-talking, hard-nosed R-rated movie. Uh, she swears like a sailor. She's a mother who's grieving, who decides to take the law into her own hands when the local police just fail to solve well, she, the death of her, the murder case of her daughter.
3: Yeah, and it's not necessarily law into her own hands. She doesn't become a vigilante, but she she does make she makes a point to. To bring some attention to what happened to her. Oh, child. she does
2: some destruction. Well, yeah, yeah she breaks the de- law. And there, does yes,
3: but yeah. to start with the whole the whole three billboards was because nobody was doing anything. Right, and, and it's
2: a little tiny town in yeah. Missouri, and so she takes out these three billboards and prepays it for a year. Doesn't she? Month, a month. The first month. month for yes. the first month, and they're all like, "Why? This is a picture of my daughter." Why didn't... Why didn't she, she's been killed. She's been why killed. Why haven't
3: you solved her why murder? Why haven't
2: you solved the problem? And calls the cop out by name. Right. The sheriff by name. Who's played by... Woody Harrelson. Woody Harrelson. Yeah. Who's actually a really interesting character mm-hmm. in this movie. He's. Mm-hmm. You think he's going to be the bad, bad, bad guy. And it's not necessarily the bad guy in this film. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then his buddy, uh, who really has lots of bad behavior, is another so cop, same Rockwell. Yes. And they're all kind of... Like they're in a Robert Altman movie. They're all messy. Yeah. They, all, they all, you know, they, they don't aspire to a whole lot in their lives. <laughs> no. And they, they all, I mean, the language in this movie will burn your it's ears horrible. off. Yeah. Yeah. and I yeah. And I think we all have different ways of handling grief. And this is one way, uh, you know, I was burning my ears off. I thought, why, don't, why are they swearing so much mm-hmm. in this movie? And I realized they're all, everybody has their own different way of handling stress mm-hmm. and grief. And this is her way. And you have to give it to her, and I think she's—I think she gets nominated for Best Actress for sure for this movie, and she could actually win for this movie. She's going to have to beat Meryl Streep and Sharsa Ronan, and she's going so to she's going to have to beat Sally Hawkins <laughs> right. from *The Shape of Water*. Right. But she's one of them. But she's one of them. That she's one of them. She so. is. She's yeah.
3: great. It's it's a very very difficult film. It's hard. It's so sad. But. But it's it's and, it's definitely, and it's, it definitely a, be.
2: and it's a very odd ending. It's so well written that that I think this is one of those movies that that's not a gimmick movie and you you get it and you hurt for all these people and you hurt and then it's.
3: Well, I found the the ending to be they finally had like they came to terms with what's happened. I mean, it was her her being able to. I don't want to say forgive, be, but at least be able to move past it, right? And we're not it.
2: really giving away the ending, right, but it, right. there, there's some there, there's some sense of unity mm-hmm. in it mm-hmm. for her, and I guess the people some around her, sure. yeah, yeah. And there's some big surprises in this movie. Mm-hmm. Something. So uh, let's go to number seven, The Darkest Hour. And this is the perfect companion film to Dunkirk. Because I think this film fills in all the blanks of Nolan's, what I think was a minimalist, minimalist masterpiece, Dunkirk. And this is fleshing out that whole rise of the legendary Winston Churchill as the leader of the Brits. And Oldman plays him, Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman is great. Who is great. And I think he wins the Oscar this year. I mean, you know, he's going to be in there with Tom great. Hanks. But Gary Oldman's going to win the Oscar for playing yeah. Winston Churchill. He was John Lithgow played him great in The Crown. Yeah. yeah, this is even better. He doesn't look anything like Churchill. Churchill was a pretty big guy. Mm-hmm. Oldman's a little guy. He
3: is, but they—they've
2: uh, got him all yeah, bigged we've, out. We've
3: heard a few interviews with him, and mm-hmm. and just the process of transforming himself every morning—it was like five hours in a makeup chair to become to become this character, which is also interesting. You have to think about what goes on in an actor's head as they sit in that chair becoming that that character and and how do you, you know, what are you doing inside as your whole physical appearance changes outside?
2: I would assume that it's the best thing in the world to get you into character. Yeah. Yeah. And you have a lot of time. You probably sleep through some of it too. Yeah.
3: And (laughs) and you have some time to learn your lines if you're a little bit off. That's probably true. You know, but
2: but Churchill wasn't the favorite of everyone. In fact the government wanted to Most of the people within Parliament wanted to negotiate with the Germans, Mm -hmm. and you couldn't negotiate. We know in retrospect now. Right. You know, nobody could really. They just come in and run over your country. And and we know what happened when they said, no, we're absolutely not going to do that. And then out of that grew some of the most memorable speeches Mm -hmm. in history. And it's directed by Joe Wright, who did Atonement and Pride and Prejudice, one of your favorite movies. Yes. I think he works his magic. This is a powerful piece of cinematic history. It's it's really fairly accurate. Has a great female character, which is the girl that plays his assistant mm-hmm. that gets the job, and she's really good in this film. Mm-hmm. She's is that Lily James? Is that that's not the same girl from Baby Driver, I is it?
3: I I can't remember. Or, no, sorry.
2: I think she might have been in The Crown. It's about yeah, I can't remember either. But she's so good in it, and, and it kind of evens out the film and. Of course, Churchill is married, and Kristen Scott, Scott Thomas, Thomas plays right. his wife. That'd be a tough guy to be married to, and he's drinking and smoking the whole time.
3: You know, it's interesting um, as we kind of t- to transition into our pairing because it's. I, I did some research when this came out of just how much Churchill drank, and he pretty much drank all day. Did he? Like he he pretty much started with a bubble. He said every day, you know that 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 champagne should be consumed every day. He liked uh, he liked kind of a sweet German wine to start. He had you know drank a lot of whiskey, uh, drank a brandy at the end of the night, but every meal had claret, which is basically what we call Bordeaux now. Mm-hmm. They called claret then. They call it
2: claret back then. Yes,
3: and so it's just basically a Bordeaux red blend. But that brings us to our perfect pairing of Lambert bridge, which we have talked about before on the show, because we, we talked about going out to dry Creek earlier this year for the, the dry Creek um, festival that we went to and kind of went through the roads of, of dry Creek that is really known as Zinfandel country. And in the middle of this, this really heavy Zinfandel country with Kivera and, and, you know, we had such a, a lovely time while we were there um We found Lambert Bridge, and they specialized more in in Bordeaux. What did you think about it
2: well, I thought that I thought that was the most spectacular one, one of the most if not the best that we had yeah. on that trip, and because it was untypical, you know I kept thinking everything 's going to pour me' is infandel, uh-huh. and that those bordeaux Style wines were spectacular, but it
3: seemed like you had a like you got really excited about being there. Just maybe it's well, I thought it was beautiful property yeah.
2: and meeting the winemaker. Well, so that
3: was kind of I think the, she's the fun spe- part. She, Jennifer Higgins is yeah. their winemaker, and she's she was such a delight. Spent quite a bit of time with us, and and kind of took us throughout the whole winery. Which for this particular event, it's the passport to Dry Creek. It's impressive that she gave us so much time because um, it was it was definitely there were. There were a lot of people. It's a great event. It takes place in April every year, and and it it's definitely well well um, the it's a, it's a big event for consumers. They were well. Um, Everyone was enjoying themselves quite a bit. Oh, yeah. They go from
2: winery to winery <laughs> the, to winery. The
3: libations were definitely throwing. And food parents <laughs> on every one of them.
2: But Lambert Lambert was really the best for me.
3: And it's run by a guy named Bill Smart, who also has, has, I think, the true gift of hospitality as we spent some time with them later on in the summer when we went back out to Sonoma, which is going to bring us uh, to our time that we had also at Jay Winery. But we had a fantastic tasting with them inside their uh, kind of private room. And again, kind of just just visiting all of these different single variety um, Bordeaux wines, so Cab, Merlot, also some beautiful blends. Um, but then you know the the Viognier that that they create, which again isn't really one of the the typical grapes that I think of for for where they are exactly. Except that more and more Rhone varieties are being planted throughout Sonoma, which I personally find very exciting. Um, the chardonnay was really lovely, so it was just. It's, and it's and it was also one of the most beautiful to sit outside with Jennifer and their garden and kind of have that experience and then to to be inside the winery just just really special it was definitely a highlight for for the you know one of the great finds for for wines this year.
2: I think Jennifer and Bill are two of the most gracious people yeah. too. And and you find that a lot in wineries and then every once in a while you find people that are actually extra special. Yeah. yeah. And I'm I mean if you're listening to this podcast if you walk around wine country anywhere in America or in the world with with Haley, uh it's pretty spectacular. So it's I
3: feel I, very I, blessed to get I, to I what get I to do. hang on
2: for dear life and I'm like all about Lambert Bridge, which yeah. is good.
3: We had a really, really special time. Yeah. Um and, and I know that they're they're well distributed and, and they're they continue to grow. So excited to see their continued success.
2: Okay, so let's go to film number eight. Yeah. Okay, so three billboards outside Ebony, Missouri was number six, Darkest Hour, the seventh. We think the eighth best film of the year, at least I do, is Baby Driver. And Baby Driver is a big surprise for me. And I, I think you can put a whole bunch of movies in here, but I just come want to talk about this film Ansel El- Elgort, I think it's his mm-hmm. name, uh plays this young guy who's a a, a getaway driver for bank robbers, mm-hmm. for criminals. And they're bad people. I mean, and they're they're a bunch of bad people and 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 it's John Hamm and Jamie Fox and they've got some accomplices with them. And then unfortunately. Jay,
3: Jay Joe, Joe yeah. yeah,
2: Joe Burnthal. And uh and 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 he doesn't really want to do this job, and there's something odd and peculiar about him because he can only do his job when he wears a headphone or his iPods mm-hmm. in and his headphones and drives to the music of his life. So he plays songs mm-hmm. and he collects them and he puts them on cassette tapes. And he has he has all these drives or you know saves them all and and I, I, I think the editing and the sound at him, just the rhythm of the music that goes along with driving a car is really interesting yeah. in this film. And then you, you like him so much, you go, "Why is this good guy driving for these bad guys?" Mm-hmm. And then it starts to explain a little bit why. But he meets a waitress played by Lily James mm-hmm. and decides he wants to just do one last. It's, a, it's the old one cliche. Last job. I just want to do one last yeah. job, Gary, and get out of town. And unfortunately, he can't. And unfortunately, Kevin Spacey is the ringleader of all the bad guys here, he's the facilitator of all this. And I'm having trouble watching Kevin Spacey movies as much as I love yeah. Kevin Spacey, so I'm going to overlook it on this one because the movie is so good, yeah. and it's directed by Edgar Wright, who directed Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz, and usually does parodies. But this is just great. This is the best film he's ever yeah. done. Yeah,
3: you. We talked about this a lot um, earlier this summer when it came out, and you had seen it before I saw it, and then we had a chance to. They kind of did a re-release in some of the the theaters when we were in Dallas, and so I got to see it, and I was I'm so thrilled that that we did, and I'm and I'm glad that but still in your in your top 10 list cuz you were really really excited about uh, it earlier this summer and yeah. and and I agree I thought it was I thought it was great and it's you know I love a good thriller and a good kind of oh it's
2: I, violent I love, and, wild and wild and crazy movie, so it's, yeah. it's kind of <laughs> and I like him so we saw him on a talk show one night I think it was on James Corden one night and this guy, this kid, mm-hmm. Ansel Elgort, mm-hmm. has a voice like a cannon. Mm-hmm. It's like when we all first discovered Hugh Jackman, mm-hmm. that Hugh Jackman can sing. Mm-hmm. Wolverine can sing, yeah. and this guy can sing. Yeah. So uh, it's going to be exciting to see, see him next... in musicals yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Okay, when we come back on Kogil One and film The Perfect Pairing, we're going to finish our list of the top 10 films of 2017, and we'll throw in a couple of other favorites. And we will be right back. Welcome back to Cogill Wine and Film, a perfect pairing, as Haley pairs wine with some of the best films of 2017. So let's back, look back on the top ten list. So Number one, The Shape of Water. Number two, The Post. Number three, Call Me By Your Name. Number four, Dunkirk. Number five? Lady Bird. Lady Bird, which I love that Well,
3: film. and you did say last week a lot of those are are relatively interchangeable, but these are, you know, Shape of Water for You still is number one?
2: Uh, I think so. Yeah. I, I might hold on to it for another couple of weeks,
3: I, which I I love and think is great. Yeah. So then, coming into then three where billboards, we are. yes, three billboards. Darkest hour,
2: Darkest hour, Baby Driver number eight. So let's get to number nine. Number nine, The Big Sick, yeah. and this is one of my favorite films of the year, along with Lady Bird. And I think they're kind of similar in a sense, but it's a Pakistani stand-up comic who meets an American girl. Uh, they have a romance and it. And it blossoms into this really meaningful cross-cultural romance about their two, and they have two different total lifestyles. And it's co-written by the star of the film, uh, Kumal Nanjiani. And it's based on his real life. It's really boy meets girl, and then girl gets sick. And then the parents get involved. And not everyone is really clear about how they feel because because there's, you know, do the Pakistani? Does the Pakistani family want an American girl in their family, mm-hmm. and do they want him just to marry a good Pakistani girl? Mm-hmm. That answer is yes. And so they have to deal with that. And then his parents, um, played by Ray Romano, and her parents, her parents. I'm yeah. sorry, played by Ray Romano and and the great. Uh, oh, oh my God! It's the great. Oh, oh my God! The great Texas actress. Holly Hunter. Uh, call it Holly Hunter is just those are Oscar level performances yeah. for me and I hope they get nominated. It's going to be hard for both of them I think because they're, they're pretty packed categories. But this is a movie about tolerance and acceptance eventually. And be- unlike between the guy and the girl yeah. because they have their own issues and between parents and families mm-hmm. and their kids. Um, and it's so wonderfully written. This is an Oscar nomination for sure for best mm-hmm. screenplay. Mm-hmm. And and it's and it's rare that like Lady Bird that movies are this well written. And yet, are funny because mm-hmm. comedy is the hardest. Mm-hmm. There's a million dramas, and you can count the comedies usually on one hand throughout a year, or, or even two years that are that are really, really good. So, I'm a big fan of this movie, and I I think it works for me.
3: Well, I think sometimes when you see this, like whenever there's you you see people that come together in a tragedy, and then get through the tragedy, and then can't stay together because they associate this tragic happening so much that that's right. kind of everything that they focus on. Um, so it's impressive that that he did this with his wife and it's her and that they stayed together and they have this fantastic, you know, love now and, and life and, and, and have been able to, you know, create this very, very, very funny.
2: And there's a thread this really year with movies film. that parents are interesting this year in movies.
3: Well, and I think that there is a lot of like Ray Romano's actions towards him, um, towards, um, Kumal's, Kamal. mm-hmm. um, like t- there, there was a lot of like I just want what's best for my daughter, and I'm gonna do this, and if you're the best thing, then okay, we're gonna like it was more the that that the girl and the girl's family were facing more um, not being accepted mm-hmm. by his family versus the other way around.
2: Yeah, the other way around, and the dynamics with parents. You know, you see it in Lady Bird, and you'll, you'll see it in, well, not so much in I, Tonya, because that was just a caustic. <laughs> Very, crazy. That's just some of the craziest behavior I've ever seen. But you saw it in, in also call me by your name. And mm-hmm. You see these things happening between parents and kids in movies that are really well written and thoughtful and more realistic. And this is, I think, an unlikely film. Mm-hmm. It just kind of came out of the blue. Mm-hmm. And it's called mm-hmm. the Big Sick, okay. and it just works.
3: And it's done really, really well. It's, yeah, it's you know it's great also when when a small because the budget on this was what
2: tiny probably yeah. what five ten million dollars at the most.
3: And it's done so well. And it's not only it not only did well in theaters, but it also is... Doing well as far as maybe getting some buzz, and, mm-hmm. and yeah, so. I think it's
2: an Oscar contender. Actually, I think it could be up for Best Picture. See, I think that we put so it on our Best Ten list.
3: Well, and you know, you know who knows best? Who you?
2: <laughs> we use that term loosely.
3: So, for this unlikely um, comedy, I'm going to take a little bit of. of of leverage here okay. for an unlikely wine region, because who would think that 40 minutes outside of Seattle in one of the rainiest parts of the country, you would have this little hub of winery activity. And, you know, in the 1960s, both Chateau St. Michelle and Columbia winery opened their doors in Woodinville, Washington, and they're not getting their fruit from you know, around Seattle, they're going over the Cascade Mountains into Columbia Valley and Walla Walla and Red Mountain and all these fantastic um, ABAs that have blossomed since then. But, you know, the brains behind the operations knew that to get from point A to point B, to get to those vineyards was going to be too hard. So instead, they, you know, would ship the, the fruit back over the mountain, you know, kind of truck it over, and and have their operations in this tiny little town of Woodenville.
2: Most wineries let the population find them, and this one went to the population. Kind of. I think, yeah, as I far th- as having their hub and their base.
3: I just think that they knew that that even even still they. I don't think that they did it maybe intentionally for commercialism. I just think that they probably did it for for more convenience, hmm. like who's going to, you know, you have to, you have to eventually get, it's the trains and automobiles yeah, to, to get, get out there to get to, you know, parts yeah. of, of Columbia Valley and, and, definitely Walla Walla. So we did, and we've, we've talked about Wenville before on the show and, and we are very big fans of this funny little district outside of, of Seattle. So 40 minutes outside of Seattle and with St. Michelle and Columbia as it's kind of two bookends, um, is Woodenville, and it's uh, kind of around a square. You have, uh, gosh, what, two dozen, probably at least, at maybe least. even three dozen yeah. um, wineries, kind of just tasting rooms set up. And again, with these two bookends. And so I'm gonna say the oldest one because we did talk about St. Michelle and their 50th anniversary last year as uh, starting in 1967. But Columbia actually started in 1962. It was founded by 10 friends, six of whom were University of Washington professors. They came together with the belief that that these great you know, Bordeaux varieties could thrive in Washington along with Bordeaux and, and Rhone, because, you know, Syrah has also been one of the key grapes of the Washington um, wine regions for so long and, and that they could create wines that would exceed everyone's expectation beyond the same level of, of Napa Valley that mm-hmm. was really growing at the time and, and, and the same level of Bordeaux. And and prove that that you know wine made in the U.S. wine made in Washington could be as as good as wine made in France. And um, I, I I just it's an incredible you know when you learn the history of it, it makes being in this place so much so much more special. Um, their first winemaker was actually a master of wine, which is not very. Um, which is pretty rare. You don't have a lot of master of, of wine. So, in order to be a master of wine, you have it, like the the training and the education. I I would say if if I was going to do additional, if I was going to go to the next phase, like what would I want to be? I would never do like the master Psalm path because that's more the service path. The master of wine path is more the the knowledge and right. the education is more. You know, the the studying of the dirt and the regions. And it's not regions. easy. And it's so difficult. So hard. It's it's pretty incredible. So um, really, really special place. And we had an opportunity to be a guest up there to do our wine and film event. We did a Best of Washington with them Isn't earlier it this year. is fun to
2: walk into that winery yeah. and they have all these tables set up and they're doing multiple pours? and I get to talk about movies and you, you're pairing wine. And they're all engaged and involved in having a ball. Yeah. They had a lot of press there, which was really yeah. fun. Because it's hard to explain wine and film.
3: What we do. <laughs> it's hard to explain what we do. And
2: they just got it. They yeah. got it. And they embraced it. And it, it's so fun. Plus, the wine's really The good. wines
3: were tasting so incredible. They have, and They have a
2: ca- Cab Franc there, they, they? they?
3: We did a, one of their Cab Francs. We did a Syrah blend. We did a Cab blend. Um we did we started with their riesling which you know we've talked a lot about riesling before mm-hmm. on the show especially washington riesling and and super dry and crisp and light and and fresh and all that great high acidity that i love from from those you know very cold nights and warm days that washington gets and and it was a really special experience and, and a place that, that we love. You know. Yeah. Living in Hawaii now, it was, it, it was very, very warm when we boarded that, that plane to get to Washington and to be able to bundle up and take a walk down the trail in the morning um, before we did our event was, was a true joy. And we
2: have to think about taking jackets now. I know.
3: It's it's yeah.
2: We have to do that because we don't live in a jacket environment right now.
3: Well, and the nice thing also, I think, kind of to where the winery is today, um, they've done a big remodel on just the actual winery and and kind of their tasting room and event space and and so it was also a really beautiful place to do an event, mm-hmm. which we always hope for. Um, that's kind of a bonus when it, everything flows so so lovely. And they had super <laughs> snacks. They had really good snacks. But they've always been um, kind of in following through with this belief that they could do you know X Y and Z better. That they could make these um, European varieties. They could do these great varieties now it's it's kind of experimenting with new varieties because we tried a tempranillo they do a malbec um they use different you know both native yeast and different yeast strains and and kind of just their process and the nice thing and it's something that i think wineries of this size because it is a very large one um to be able to try both their entry level kind of wines and then move through the portfolio, you know they have their everyday ten dollar wines and then they they have some really beautiful you know sixty dollar wines right. and and you see the quality though it may not be quite as um, you know it may not have as much maybe structure or tannin or you know complexity. The, the everyday $10 wine, but it's still quality. It still has, you know, the winemaker is still devoting his talent and, and the fruit is still Columbia Valley fruit. And, and so you can find a really, it's kind of one of those, those wineries that I always know if I pick up, a bottle on any given night, it's going to be, it's going to yeah. deliver. And yeah. that's, you know, that's kind of what you hope for on a $10 wine.
2: Yeah. So. We like the movie and we like Columbia Winery. Yeah. Yeah. Good know, stuff. So. All right. Let's go to number 10. Dun, da da <laughs> The end of the top 10 list. And I always do a tie.
3: You like, cause you always have 11. Cause I always want to go to, <laughs> 11, to 11, which is
2: one more than 10. And it's Beauty and the Beast and Wonder Woman. And, 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 and I think there's more, this is not a girl power money grab. This is not what's going on in these movies. Which one? Well, let's talk about Beauty and the Beast. Well, I think both of them are not. But Beauty and the Beast, it's a work of art on the highest level. And I think the original animated film... Was hard to beat. I think this is just as good as it is. Yeah. That was a 91, 1991 animated musical. I thought it was. One I think of we the best just had a beast the in
3: the room too. I, I we, think the beast is, is saying hi. We, we might if you hear
2: a meow. <laughs> that's just, <laughs> then
3: that's the the ghost of, of beast. Pass. The ghost of the
2: cat pass. <laughs> but this new one in twenty seventeen, you know, it started back in the, a while ago with live action Cinderella, and then they did the Jungle Book, and uh, these movies are remarkable. This is. Fantastic movie, and it was the number one highest-grossing movie of the year. Did over a billion dollars until Star Wars came along. I was going to ask Star Wars. Star Wars in two weeks made more money than Beauty and the Beast all year. Both of them over a billion dollars. And then you go, and then they're going to. The future is they're doing. They're working on Aladdin right now. And and, Lion and King. they're working on the Lion King. I can't
3: wait for a live
2: I action King. version of that.
3: Oh my gosh, I just I, I can't. And again, wait.
2: they're not money grabs. They're really high end, beautiful they're be- films. Yeah,
3: they're really well. So made I'm and, until
2: they prove me wrong. And then Are Wonder they
3: doing Snow White also. Uh, I, I
2: don't know. I think they're going to eventually probably okay. do all of them. But uh, I want to see Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. I know. Uh, Wonder Woman also. I can't take my eyes off Gal Gadot. Gal Gadot. 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 No. Gadot. And I, and I think Patty Jenkins is a director. Yeah. I mean, she makes Wonder Woman, which is one of the, yeah. I think, the third highest grossing movie of the year. Yeah and it 's a female star and it 's a female director and This is part of this girl power year that we 're having but but there 's depth and conscience you don 't wipe out there's not this movie isn 't about collateral damage, right. which is what all Something the superhero about movies about yeah. Yeah. is that they 'll knock down a building and kill ten thousand people in order Save for wine. two people to get along yeah. Yeah. and This is all about having that conscience about it, and she 'll kick your butt and make you make you pay if you 're not getting this. Mm-hmm. And and if you're doing this wrong, and there's I there's such a, a yeah.
3: we we did we we both love this movie and we've talked about it and I am I'm, I'm thrilled that it made your top ten list because I think there's such a a a sweetness and a like this whole movie leads with love and this whole movie leads with with kindness and when she looks at you and doesn't understand why you would want to hurt something there's such sincerity in that and and so it makes her Gal Gadot Gal Gadot. Sorry if I messed up your name, beautiful woman. Um, It it makes you love her that much more because she, you know, the the innocence that comes over her face. Mm -hmm. That that why in the world would somebody want to do that? Why are the Nazis doing this? Why would why would you go to war? Right? Why is you know? And
2: let's let's go in and fix it. Let's fix this. Let's fight for the good guys. Yeah.
3: So just Yeah. yeah, we. I'm such a. So I,
2: I have this image of these. It happened a lot. I mean, you, when a, you go to the movie theater, you'd see these little girls dressed up. Mm-hmm. And they'd have the head, the Wonder Woman headband on.
3: And their bracelets.
2: And their bracelets. And they go into the movies and they see something actually life-changing and remarkable and come out invigorated, I think, and empowered. And that's the power of film. That's yeah. what movies can do every once in a while when they're culturally significant, smart, smarter than the culture, and saying something right and correct and doing the right thing. I, I think it's a good thing. So I'm all, I'm all for that girl power yeah. thing. I'm married to a girl and uh, I have two daughters. So come on, let's make it happen. Let's
3: let's celebrate the women. Let's do it. And let's talk bubbles. Okay, okay so I'm going to take you to the scene in Beauty and the Beast where they're dancing and all the lights are all around and 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 it's just magical and special. And sparkling, and so that's why that's why bubbles are the perfect wine to pair with with both of these films. Also, because doesn't every girl love a good bubble?
2: Every girl loves a good bubble. So
3: we had a really really great experience um, earlier this summer. We we did go um, out to Sonoma, visited Lambert Bridge, as We discussed a little bit earlier, and and had a really special tasting at Jay Winery. So Jay was purchased by Gallo about a year or so ago was started by Judy Jordan. She sold it uh, whose sister is John Jordan of Jordan Winery. She sold it to Gallo, it uh, last year, two years ago. That's um, the J. It, yes. For Jordan. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and Judy. And Judy. And yeah. um and uh, you know when when any time a a large wine a large owner goes in and purchases um a kind of independent winery, you hope that that nothing changes. You hope that they bring their their kind of back office skills and to maybe streamline some of how things are done, but that the winery is allowed to do what the winery does best. And I think that we experienced that. We had a fantastic tasting with our very dear friends Don and Ellen Winspear uh, in their tasting room earlier this summer. It was and, magical. And it was just so, you know, the the tasting through of the the flight of, of wines from, from, you know, kind of everyday Brut to Blanc de Blancs to their zero dosage, which, you know, I'm such a huge fan of, um, and to some of their single vintage, which a lot of, especially Napa sparkling wines are non-vintage. And so obviously to, to get into some of these special vintage wines were, were just beautiful. And it was just a, it it was just to sit there and to, and to have an experience and enjoy these wines and be with our friends just it kind of is the whole celebration of of why I love to do what I do like no, this I... is the this is the whole that that wine should be shared with the people you love.
2: A good glass of wine is fine by yourself. Yeah, it's okay.
3: I might do that often. <laughs> yeah, but a really good it's glass of with wine you. with friends yeah.
2: and family is in that shared meal experience yeah. where the, you know you, they start pairing food with your wine, and and every bite and every snack has a reason. Yeah, and it resonates. Uh, yeah. To me, to me, I just think it's... You know, I can watch movies by myself and be just fine, but uh, drinking wine, I'd rather do it with friends and share food with. Yeah, that's kind of our lifestyle. We, we
3: did though. We had it was yeah. it was a really special experience. And and if anything, the room this, is beautiful. This is as as you're maybe trying to get out of of cold um, cold parts of the country. It's not as cold in California, and and it's really worth it to to consider doing a trip to to supports And they're not all destroyed Napa. by fire. And they're not. And and there you know there were rumors initially that Jay was hurt in the fires, and thankfully they weren't. But you know. It, it, don't just drink the wines, go and go and visit. Their tasting rooms are fantastic. The hospitality, it will knock you off the feet, off your feet. And, and, and it's really worth it. It's really fun. Really fun. So I, you know, bubbles are the perfect with, with these beautiful films and, Bubbles Beauty with and the Beast, really
2: Wonder better. Woman, and Bubbles. Yeah, uh, especially let's go to Jay and enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, hey, I'm just gonna just for sake of time, throw out some titles, and we're gonna get to some of these on talk some about later these shows. More exactly, but we are in love with the Greatest Showman this oh, this Hugh Jackman I movie. See, so
3: you shouldn't have even brought it up. No, I, I can't. just want to start gushing. We're
2: gonna talk about it on, about it on the next okay. show. But it, 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 I just, oh my gosh, and, and I love every minute of it. And I would actually, by the next show, put that in the top, the top 10, 10 list. Um, I loved War for the Planet of the Apes I know, a lot. I do. And I'm I a big do. fan of this movie because it's the best of all of those ever made. Mm-hmm. And it's smart. Uh, Get Out could be in anybody's best list. And you could put it at number one for a lot of them. Yeah. That is a lot to say about what's going on in the world today right about racism in the in the disguise of a horror movie. And Absolutely. it's great. Absolutely. Uh, Coco, this Pixar animated film, Disney Pixar film, is really about sports. Spanish culture about Latina culture again
3: very timely and
2: timely And Molly's Game is a smart film and a good film.
3: Aaron Sorkin's first directing,
2: first directing, and boy, it's that rat-a-tat-tat dialogue.
3: Yeah, he wrote the script. It's yeah, you gotta you you you, don't drink too much to watch that one
2: because you need to pay attention. And a a couple of other small independent films: The Disaster Artist is actually a really good film. The Florida Project is a tough little movie, but really good. Hostels is a tough little western. It's a big western actually, and it's really good. Battle of the Sexes, I really enjoyed. Uh, The film with Steve Carell and and, Emma Emma Stone Stone, uh, about the big tennis match. And I, Tanya is not a film I would take anyone to see, but it's one of the best films of the year. And it hurts like hell to watch it. And some people think it's really funny all the way through. It hurts so much I didn't find it that funny. But, boy, that Tanya Harding story is uh, actually pretty amazing film. I'm going
3: to throw one more. Do. Oakjaw.
2: Oh, thank you. Yeah. Cuz Oakjaw, I, I would put Oakjaw on my best film. 10 list any yeah. day. Another
3: of the year. one that that is so well made but also speaks so much to what's going O-K-J-A. on. OKJA. Yeah. It's on Oak Netflix. Ja. Yeah.
2: Uh, next time on Kogil Wine and Film a perfect pairing, more new Oscar contending films arriving late in local theaters. Some of them are also listed here. Of course, us always with wines to match <laughs> and wonderful stories to tell.
3: But for more on any of the films or wines we've talked about today, please check out our blog on CogillConsulting.com or through Facebook. Be sure to follow Gary on Twitter at Gary Cogill. And to see what we're drinking now, follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Dallas Uncorked.
2: And with that, I'm Gary Cogill. And as usual, I'm looking for the next great film.
3: And I'm Haley Hamilton Cogill, always in search of a great glass of wine.
2: Join us next time on Cogill Wine and Film, a perfect pairing.
0: Aloha.